0: Stand Firm Ministries, Biblical Truth, taught by Dr. Shane Perez.
1: For today, the title of the sermon is Evil Must Be Exposed. And I think what was going on in Germany, like uh, Danielle was saying, is that everybody was just quiet about it. And even the ones that knew about it, it's like, well, maybe that's not my place. I'll get in trouble if I talk about it. Well, we're going to talk about some things today. And we're taking the, the verse, Ephesians 5, verse 11, where it says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So I've been seeing some things in the news the past few weeks. And the only term i could describe them mass will be just, they're just evil just evil but i wanted to make sure that you were aware of them now this is going to be some intense content i even set my daughter out this morning because i thought it was not appropriate for her so i want to want you to be warned of the content i don't know how many churches that would be bringing this to their congregation on sunday morning But we're not just any church. And I think what happened in Germany, the churches were silent. Well, we're just going to talk about the Christian things or the religious things. We'll leave all the political stuff out of it. Well, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is morality. And that is not a political thing. That is a religious thing. Let's start in the area of education. What is going on in our schools? There's a lot going on. But California, this is article, California School was Social Justice Academy has 19% math proficiency. The academy includes ethnic and gender studies. I don't know if you're aware of it, but that has becoming a very popular major in colleges. Ethnic and gender studies. You don't even know what they teach there, do you? What is that? You don't want to know it is it's it's perversion it's bad but anyway now we're having high schools focusing on it and what we're seeing is their math scores are going down a california high school with a social justice academy is suffering in more traditional subjects like math where students are getting dismal scores the academy's specially designed curriculum focuses on critical pediology social justice ethnic studies gender studies intersectionality and social and emotional skill development among other things these are things that schools are focusing on the curriculum teaches students to challenge and criticize power oppression capitalism white supremacy and a bunch of other racism sexes and homophobia transphobia and the list goes on and the name of the school, San Lea. Leandro High School has a 19% math proficiency rate and a 21% science proficiency rate, well below California's average of 30% proficiency in both math and science, according to the U.S. News and World Report. The school's reading proficiency rate is 57%, <coughs> also below the state average. Now, where did that story take place in California? Of course, that's expected to happen in California, right? But guess what? Guess what's coming close to our home as well? Texas Board of Education considers controversial teaching standards. Now, this was an article about a, a week or two old. I'm not sure what has happened, if anything has happened since then. But my warning to you will be, even if this gets shot down this year, It'll be here next year or the next year it, it is coming I'll be actually shocked if it gets shot down even in Texas because that is the direction that we're going uh, this one particular one the recommendation states that teachers are allowed to define sex gender and sexual orientation and differentiate among their di- uh, distinguishing characteristics and for future reference and other student expectations distinguishing characteristics of sex gender and sexual orientation is necessary the draft recommendations also propose, this is just an added bonus, also propose reducing teaching on the U.S. Constitution's First Amendment and replacing the influence of biblical law on developing the Constitution with that of the Iroquois Confederacy. Two things there. You know when you're teaching, when you're teaching law, The Bible has to be mentioned because that is what our laws are based on. But they want to. They've been trying for decades to get the Bible out completely, but it's hard to establish, well, where do we get our laws from? It's hard not to go back to the Bible. But now they want to make sure that completely gets written out or taken out and replaced with the Iroquois Confederacy. $20 for anybody who can tell me what the Iroquois Confederacy is. I've taught US history a number of years. I am a student buff or a history buff. And when I saw that phrase, I had no clue what it was talking about. I've never heard that. And I would imagine that you haven't either. So I got a compilation of a couple of videos that help you understand. The first one just sort of explains it a little bit. And then the second one would probably be something very similar to what uh, you would probably see in our schools
2: now. By the time the English colonists came to America in the early
1: 1600s, five Indian nations, the Mohawks, the Oneidas, Onondagas, Cayugas, and the Senecas had joined together to create what came to be called the Iroquois Confederacy.
2: The main goal of the Confederacy was to keep the peace among its members and uh, resolve conflicts.
3: We're often taught that it was the ancient Greeks who invented our democracy. What they forget to mention is the group of Native Americans who helped show us the way. The Iroquois Confederacy inhabited northern and western New York state. They called themselves Haudenosaunee, meaning people of the longhouse. The Confederacy was founded by the great peacemaker, Deganawita, to put a stop to internal feuds and become a united front against outside threats. Each tribe had a voice. And while many issues were addressed at a local level, major decisions like defense were made as a whole. They even had a constitution known as the Great Law of Peace. For the framers of the U.S. Constitution, they were an inspiration, a real-life example of how democracy could and should work.
1: So that is a brief little introduction to the Air Corps' Confederacy, because I'm pretty sure none of us was taught that in school. And I would be very interested to see if that phrase is even in many of our history books that were written more than two or three years ago. I would assume probably not, or maybe it's just as a subnote. Now, I wanted to uh, point that out to you because that is something I was not familiar with, and I figured you weren't going to be familiar with it either. But really, the other two aspects that you saw at the California School and even at the Texas Board of uh, Education and what they're dealing with Is about sexual perversion. And you see that in our society all over the place now. And what you see, we see it even in the Bible, but I don't know if we really connected the two. Anytime there's been sexual perversion, you see a vast movement away from God. And you honestly, you see a movement towards that which is evil. And that is what we say today. I think Satan has done a very good job of making something that even not, to me, it wasn't even that long ago. 20, 30 years ago was considered uh, very deviant and very perverted. So now it's normal and we're encouraging kids to assume these lifestyles. It's amazing how how things have changed. But it's amazing how when you see the news and you see all these things, how... uh, sexual deviance so many people are and how it's being pushed in our society. Well, that shouldn't be really a surprise. You don't even have to look that far. Just look at our government. I don't know if you've been paying attention to politics, but I'm going to show you some what I consider some disturbing pictures about sexual deviance in our government. These are pictures of people that are currently part of our federal government. We'll look at a couple of them. You like their style, like the way they're dressed? <laughs> very interesting. Uh, this one particular person is a Department of Energy hire, is uh, considered a non binary drag queen. And uh, a queer activist was pretty excited and said that they are a valuable asset. Now, one thing about it, when you look at these people, these are very, okay, weird pictures, right? These are the clean pictures there are some like i i feel bad about showing you that but there were some that i couldn't even show you that i sort of wanted to because it would shock you a little bit more but disturbing to the point where you just didn't need to see it but in this particular individual there's some really really dark perverted pictures of this guy and things that he's involved in and he is working at our federal government in the department of energy I don't know if you've read the articles about this guy. I know the picture's a little dark, but this is uh, the deputy monkeypox coordinator because every government needs a monkeypox coordinator and that monkeypox coordinator needs a deputy. I don't know if you can really see this. The picture is a little bit smaller, but that is actually a pentagram. He is a a, a homosexual that is believed to practice Satanism. Actually, he's the one that's... uh, I think he's one behind there if he took off his shirt you would see it's got a circle tattoo with like a a pentagram in it and he just posed for a couple magazines wearing like a leather uh, pentagram actually uh, wearing something very similar to that and then we have you probably may be familiar with this individual it is a transgender um, assistant health secretary and you might have saw when they were being confirmed they were um, before the congress and they were able to ask some questions i wanted to see i want you to see this clip because this is ron paul who is really just him asking this individual questions and this individual may look like a female uh, he is a male but he identifies as transgender and he has some very interesting ideas on view and views about what should be done to transgender children and surgeries and different things that should happen to them. So Rand Paul is going to sort of start his conversation talking about how most countries outlaw that kind of stuff. But here you are as maybe a future assistant health secretary, which uh, he was approved, so now he is. Uh, These are your views on the subject that you do have something to do with in the direction of uh, where our country is going.
3: Genital mutilation has been nearly universally condemned. Genital mutilation has been condemned by the WHO, the United Nations Children's Fund, the United Nations Population Fund. According to the WHO, genital mutilation is recognized internationally as a violation of human rights. Genital mutilation is considered particularly egregious because, as the WHO notes, it is nearly always carried out on minors and is a violation of the rights of children. Most genital mutilation is not typically performed by force, but as WHO notes, that by social convention, social norm, the social pressure to conform, to do what others do and have been doing, as well as the need to be accepted socially and the fear of being rejected by the community. American culture is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Like surgical mutilation, hormonal interruption of puberty can permanently alter and prevent secondary sexual characteristics. The American College of Pediatricians reports that 80 to 95 percent of prepubertal children with gender dysphoria will expre- experience resolution by late adolescence if not exposed to medical intervention and social affirmation. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex?
1: There's some evil things going on in our world. The thing about it, we're, we're given excuses why they should be done, and we're fed lies. And we get the feedback, well, this is what science says. We have proven this to be true, so this is what we've got to do. First of all, it happened years ago when we were told people are born gay. But science has proven they're born gay. No, they haven't. And in fact, if you want to go there for a second, what happened there was they would find homosexual men and they would do a brain scan on them. And, they, and they, what it read was their brain looked different and functioned different than a heterosexual's brain. That part was true. But their conclusion was that, okay, well, they're born that way and there's nothing we can do about it. So we need to support them and love them and show them compassion and encourage them. But they forgot to tell you, but wait a minute. Do you know you can determine the direction of, of what your brain does and how it functions by certain actions that you do? So then there was another study done where they started doing it on kit. And they would scan their brain and it will be normal. And normal and about the same or within range of being average or whatever. And then they saw as they got older and started to experiment in different lifestyles that the lifestyle was what was changing their brain. When people have addictions or so forth like that, you can scan them and a lot of times their brain looks different. It wasn't because they were born with that addiction, but the sin has actually changed their brain. But we believed it. We believed it. Hook, line, and sinker. You were born homosexual. And we believed that. So now they're saying, okay, now you're born um, transsexual. Like you get to decide. uh, Some people are just born confused whether they're a boy or a girl. And what the, the sick, evil part of it is, is little children are struggling with this. And then our solution is, let's make permanent decisions. Let's have surgery on them right now as fast as we can to change them for the rest of their life. And what Rand Paul was saying, anybody that does experience that, say you have a little boy, and used to be just little boys. They'd want to be little girls. Maybe they'd wear a dress. Maybe they'll play with dogs a little bit. And in 90% of the cases, if you just left them alone, guess what happened? They grew up to be normal. But now it's encouraged as soon as we see a little kid. And when I say little, they're doing it starting at like five years of age or even three years old and they brag about it. Oh, little, little Jimmy put on a little dress today. He must be a girl on the inside. Let's go take him to the clinic right now. Start giving him um, medication so his body will start to change to become more uh, like a female. And what we've seen is it's not a lot of little kids that even um, go through that, but it, and it's not even boys anymore. It used to be just boys, dressed up like little girls, the majority of them, just a few percentage, very small amount, just if it's little girls play with dolls, and then 90% of them grow out of it. But now the age is teenage girls. That's the number one group of of people that want to have surgery to change them as teenage girls. And we as a society, we're just pushing it. We're promoting it. One thing we know about teenage girls, and honestly teenagers in general, is you're just dealing with a lot. You're trying to figure out life. You're trying to figure out yourself. Your body's changing. The world's changing. It's crazy being a teenager. And if you remember back when you was a teenager, do you remember how you viewed the world? You weren't that smart, were you? (laughs) Most of us were not. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself there. But what we're saying in our society is this evil is being pushed and promoted. And guess what? The church is doing. In fact, there's more churches that are encouraging it than discouraging it. I think there was something in the news. I think Danielle was telling me this past week um, or last week or sometime about churches having, uh, even in Katy, I think it was, having a drag queen service. yesterday. Yesterday, a drag queen service or some sort of event at their church. Yet how many churches are even talking about it from their pulpit? I don't think there are that many because what happens is you will start hearing about it, how how uh, hateful they are, and how discriminating they are. So we're quiet about it. How many of you, when you if you did work or if you're working now, how many of you had to go through like, I don't know what they call it now, is it sensitivity training or some sort of training to be more accepting of, of different kinds of lifestyles? I know I had to go through it 15 or 20 years ago. It was mainly homosexual people then. Actually, it was homosexual that taught it. But now you've got to accept everything, not just the homosexuals, but then you have to accept uh, transsexual and drag queens and all these other things as well. And we're just taking it. We're accepting it. Well, why are they doing this? It's not the science that they're doing. And one thing that's very disturbing is the people that we trust the most in this area of health, physical health, the doctors, are the very ones that seem to be encouraging and promoting and doing these surgeries that are life-changing for these kids. So one of the questions would be why? Why would they do it if it was really irreversible and so damaging to these kids? Well, Matt Walsh, this is a little bit longer video, but you need to pay attention and you need to listen to what he's saying here. He's did research of a, uh, he's from Tennessee or in that area, And uh, he got wind of things they are doing at Vanderbilt University, which is, I guess, in his neck in the woods. So he started doing some research. And it's very interesting what he uncovered. And I really want you to hear this.
2: So we've spent plenty of time in recent weeks discussing the horrific, unethical, dangerous, and barbaric practices of many hospitals and children's hospitals around the country all being performed under the guise of gender affirmation. Now, the media has frantically insisted that we have to stop scrutinizing the medical establishment in this way. Even if hospitals are sterilizing and butchering children, the media says we must, not, uh, we must not offer any critique because if we do, we're guilty of incitement and even terrorism. So we have to remain silent, they tell us. But I've never personally been very good at following orders, especially when those orders are delivered by the soulless goblins in the national media. I'm much more inclined to do exactly the opposite of whatever they say. And in fact, all this talk about the Frankenstein butchery happening at our nation's hospitals has made us wonder about the hospital closest to us here in Nashville. uh, Vanderbilt University Medical Center is the full name. Vanderbilt, we'll just call it for short. Over the past several days, we have investigated uh, the matter. And now I want to show you what we found. And let's begin at the beginning as we tell this story. So in 2018, Vanderbilt opened its Transgender Health Center. There was an article published in the Tennessean at the time that announced the new clinic, quoting its medical director, Dr. Shane Taylor, who said that the goal was to, quote, meet our patients where they are in their journey and help them with the resources they need. But then in a lecture during Vanderbilt's LGBTQ Health Grand Rounds lecture series, which uh, live streamed to Facebook but was viewed by almost nobody at the time, Dr. Taylor was a bit more detailed in explaining the hospital's actual motivations for expanding into quote-unquote transgender care. In fact, she said that um, she personally helped to convince the institution to make the move based in part because uh, she claims it's the right thing to do, but also in large part because gender affirmation surgeries are quote, big money makers. Listen. Starting in January
4: 1st of 2017, according to the Affordable Care Act, Insurance cover carriers are mandated to cover medical expenses for trans folks. Um, some of our BUMC financial folks in 20, in August of 20, I'm sorry, October of 2016, starting a couple of years ago put down some costs of how much money we think each patient would bring in and this is only including top surgery this isn't including any bottom surgery and um, it's a lot of money these surgeries make a lot of money. Uh, so female and male chest reconstruction can bring in $40,000, a patient just on routine hormone treatment who I'm only seeing a few times a year can bring in several thousand dollars because that requires a lot of visits and labs. It actually makes money for the hospital. Um, Dr. Winneker, who's our surgeon, says that there's entire clinics where the entire clinic is supported just by their phalloplasties, and that is like a fraction of the surgeries that they're doing. These surgeries are labor intensive. They require a lot of follow ups. They require a lot of OR time and they make money. They make money for the hospital.
2: Now, profitable though it may be, there are some medical professionals who take the Hippocratic Oath seriously and object to carving up a person's body in this way. Vanderbilt was apparently concerned that some of their own staff might fall into that category. So at another Grand Rounds lecture in 2019, A woman named Dr. Ellen Clayton, who's a pediatric specialist at Vanderbilt, told those assembled that if they refuse to participate due to their religious beliefs in these procedures, there will be consequences. Conscientious objections are problematic, she explained, and those who object really shouldn't work at Vanderbilt at all. Listen. If you are
0: going to assert conscientious objection, you have to realize that that is problematic. You are doing something to another person and you are not paying for the, the cost for your belief. I think that is a real, I mean, I think that's a real issue. So um, so I think, you know, so you're, so yes, Vanderbilt, if someone has a country's objection to pers- uh, for participating in this sort of surgery, it, it probably have to accommodate you to the extent that you can find another person who can do your job, who doesn't have an objection, other things of that nature. But I just want you to take home that saying that you're not going to do something because of your conscientious, because of your religious beliefs is not without consequences. And, and it should <coughs> not be without consequences. And I just want to put that out there. We are given enormous. If you don't wanna do this kind of work, don't
2: work at Vanderbilt. So after they've drugged and sterilized the kids, Vanderbilt, as explained in this video presentation, at that point, they will happily perform double mastectomies on adolescent girls.
4: However, for a lot of our younger patients, um, again, if they are 16, 17 here at Vanderbilt, um, if they have been on testosterone, have a parental consent, um, we're able to do a lot of the top surgeries for those patients.
2: Hmm. So let's review. Vanderbilt got into the gender transition, transition game, admittedly, in large part, because it's very financially profitable, and it is. They then threatened any staff members who objected and then enlisted a gang of trans activists to act as surveillance in order to force compliance And they now castrate, sterilize, and mutilate children as well as adults while apparently taking steps to hide this activity from the public view, which is why we had to sift through web archives and track down videos not available to the general public just to confirm all of this information. We're left in the end, once again, with a stark reality that the field of medicine has been infiltrated and co-opted by radical ideologues, by left-wing cultists and LGBT extremists, Vanderbilt, like so many other medical institutions, has sacrificed both science and ethics on the altar of gender ideology. And we who object are labeled terrorists. But that is the desperate tactic of a system that knows it is being exposed. We can't allow ourselves to be bullied by those kinds of intimidation tactics and emotional blackmail. We are confronting one of the great evils in human history. There's no question about it. And nobody said it would be easy or painless. And if they did, they were lying. Either way, we have to hold the line.
1: It is disturbing, quite disturbing. Would you ever want to send your kids or your grandkids to Vanderbilt? This is just one of the schools that have been exposed. This kind of teaching, this kind of thinking It's probably in almost all the universities. And it's very interesting when um, the lady was talking about, if it's against your religious beliefs, it doesn't matter. If you can't do it, then don't come work at Vanderbilt. Very interesting. We're living in dark times. Living in very dark times. There is evil among us, and we can't be silent. We must expose it. There's one more I want to show you, which... uh, Sort of takes the cake because it's just a, just a little cartoon, a new cartoon that's come out. Now it is supposed to be geared towards, it's one of those supposed to be adult cartoons. But it's on Disney Plus and, and Hulu and a lot of these uh, platforms and some of them are free. So it's very easy for kids to be exposed to. But I think it gets to the point where they just don't even hide things anymore.
4: And welcome back to The Prayer Link. The new animated cartoon, Little Demon, is gaining attention and raising some concerns. The series focuses on a 13-year-old girl whose father is Satan. Now, the Parents' Television and Media Council is sending warnings to advertisers in hopes they will reconsider their sponsorship. And many faith leaders and critics are sending warnings to parents about how they believe this series will get the attention of children. Billy Hollowell has the story. Mom, get in. Some are putting this off. Your dad is the devil and you're the antichrist.
3: That's a scene from the new cartoon called Little Demon. The animated show about a 13-year-old girl whose father is the devil is getting attention and raising eyebrows. Pastor Mike Signorelli of V1 Church in New York City is just one of many faith leaders issuing a warning. They are trying to desensitize us and our kids to the demonic. It's that simple. We've seen that over and over and over again, but a show comes out And the attempt is to make something that biblically is not normal, normal.
1: Trying to accept something that God clearly opposes. its And it's disgusting.
3: And it's not just Satanism that the show is seeking to normalize to one degree or another. The actress who plays Laura, which is the mother of the daughter who is the Antichrist, which is all just weird to say, by the way. The actress who plays her, her name is Aubrey plaza and she was being interviewed about the show and she said this
4: i love uh that we are normalizing paganism um laura is a pagan she's a witch she's jacked she's um she's got to protect her daughter from demons and uh and she's got to get her house in order
3: and so this actress is excited that we are normalizing paganism
1: This is a world that we're living in, and I know a lot of us may be sheltered from it, but you see, a lot of these things are geared towards the young people. Whether it's in cartoons, whether it's in in our high schools, and even they start in our elementary schools, and it's time for people to stand up against it. And don't think you're safe just because you live in Texas or because you live in Chambers County, for those that do. Uh, You need to pay attention to what's going on locally. Do you know what's being taught and what's going on at the local high schools around here? Um, do you know what's going on in the local with the local politicians around here, or so forth, and what is their views on on life and transgenderism and so forth like that? I showed you one time before one of the uh, I think it's the health department or or something put out uh, something on their Facebook about encouraging Trans Day or something. I forgot exactly what it was. Yes, trans lives matter. So it is among us and we've got to start standing up against it. Number one thing is you've got to expose it. You can't just be quiet anymore. When you do expose it, you will be attacked. You will be vilified. Um, because some people can lose their jobs. You can lose friendships. You can uh, make your children or grandchildren mad or so forth. But it must be done. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. What we're battling is against spiritual forces. Satan can use people for very bad, but God can also use people for good. And throughout our history, we've always seen where Christians would stand up and oppose whether it's evil philosophy or evil actions. It is time for us to do the same. Danielle was talking about earlier how uh, we look back at at Germany and thought, well, how come they just didn't do anything? I believe our grandkids and and maybe even our kids and our great-grandkids will look at us and say, what happened? There was such a, a quick transition in such a short amount of time. Why didn't my family members speak up? Why didn't the church speak up? Well, we've got to expose evil, call it what it is, make sure people are aware of it. But then you know what the solution to the problem is? Jesus Christ. There's ever been a time in, in our nation's history where we need to go out and tell others of the promises and hope of Jesus Christ? It is now. And the thing about it is we see more evil now and there's more temptations and there's more of attack now, especially on our young people than ever before. And we're being the quietest than we've ever been. We have a solution to this evil problem, whether it's people in the government or people in our schools or wherever they are. We have a solution and it's winning the hearts and minds to Jesus Christ. But we can't do that when we're quiet.
0: Dr. Shane Perez hopes this lesson encourages you and equips you to minister to others with your walk as a Christian. We would love to hear from you. Drop us an email at standfirmministries at yahoo.com.